the Big Bets on Campus podcast. 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 All right, here we go. Spreading the court. Ten seconds remaining. They just got to throw it under the basket. Under the basket. It's the truth for the win. Gone. Oh! They did it. A miracle. Hutchins. Double water. Hit that one from the parking lot. Welcome back, college basketball diehard degenerates, to another episode of the Big Bets on Campus. This is your host, Matthew Cox, 33.33% of the three-man weave. Here again, another weekly edition, breaking out all the action of the upcoming week with a specific focus on Wednesday, recording live here on Tuesday. The format's the same. We get a six-pack of questions. We'll go through the dog of the week. We've got the trash man coming up, power game of the week, talk some mid-majors, We'll do a little spotlight on whatever floats our boat. Um, fellas, I don't even care about how either of you are doing today. Let's get right into the meat of this episode. And I want to just be transparent because our live dogs of the week last week were Horde. Um, not one of these won. We had a couple of close calls. Sanford went to OT and lost in overtime to DePaul. Um, but UNC against Indiana, that one was really never competitive. Mm-hmm. Uh, South Alabama, Oakland, Chicago State. Imagine picking Chicago State on this program. Um, but they beat Southern Indiana by a million on Sunday. So I guess that kind of counts or, or not. Uh, so yeah, let's, let's uh, do better at this week. That's just kind of my call to action. And this week is sort of a shorter, lighter slate of games, you know, Tuesday, Wednesday are heavier, but Thursday, Friday, very light. So a lot of the action we'll discuss will be focused on Wednesday. Um, let's get into it. Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh. Where's my dog? Uh, where's my dog? Uh-huh. Wednesday night, three to consider as I chose from the fairly large slate of games on Wednesday. Arizona State at SMU is my first. DePaul at St. John's is my second. Jacksonville at VCU is my third. Kai, going to you first, which one of those three yes. uh, floats your boat? Or did you find another candidate that stuck out to you looking through the uh, the slate? Gosh, Matt, you, you chose some okay ones here. Uh, of the three you chose... Just okay, not great. Yeah, Jacksonville... I agree. There's not a great options. This is kind of a weak pool to choose from. Jacksonville intrigues me. Uh, I am I was really high on them coming into the year. I bet on them three times. All three times they've played, they're one and two. Now, those two losses were to Duke and to UAB. Pretty good teams here. Can VCU run them out like those other, like those other teams have? I don't know. Uh, Ace Baldwin appears to be fine playing with a a, a bandage on his broken wrist. Uh, Jameer Watkins is back in the lineup for VCU. So it's probably one I'm not going to look for. Jim, I guess I lean towards SMU out of these three. Uh, home dog against an Arizona State team that's certainly sort of Jekyll and Hyde. But gosh, uh, of these three, I, I'm kind of staying away all three. I'll, I'll search for a better one here pretty soon. Yeah, I've got two that Matt did not mention that I'll that I'll hit later. Uh, but of the ones Matt brought up here, I think SMU is probably my favorite. I will also say, Matt, the show is sponsored by BetMGM. How dare you give <laughs> oh, them the cold me. shoulder, the stiff arm? Thank Bet you, MGM, Shout back. out to you, of course. Don't worry. Uh, but yeah, SMU. I like the fact that they're a home dog rather than like Arizona State it, being on the road. I think is is shakier. Uh, Jacksonville. I don't know if we're going to get the full lineup. Kai, I know we had the surprise Matthew Marsh absence last game. True. Uh, Mike Marsh, excuse me. And then he returned in their non-D1 game they played this past week, but Dylan O'Hearn missed that one, um, as did one other key piece. Omar Payne missed that as well. So, like, Gosh. I don't know if they're just getting guys in and out, if they are just banged up. 
I'm a little nervous about Jacksonville's being full strength. So that's keeping me spooked there. And Matt, DePaul St. John's got a David Jones revenge game for St. Right. John's going against his old school. That makes me a little bit nervous. DePaul's also banged up, missing their two front court pieces. And St. John's, I think you want to take away the rim, force them to shoot. And I don't know if DePaul can take away the rim without those guys. Yeah, DePaul St. John's is admittedly more of a Hail Mary, um, especially if <laughs> Yorne and Nick Agenda are out. But if one of those guys is back, I can see DePaul competing here. You know, they can neutralize St. John's at the rim with one of those guys back. We've seen this game um, be very unpredictable, very high variance. So, again, this is one where you're looking at a money line angle. Probably uh, it could be a decent investment. I did not play this one officially, or I have not yet. I will not, uh, unless one of those guys are in, I probably won't. But Jacksonville and SMU are the two I'm looking at pretty closely. Um, I just I know SMU's been really bad, honestly. Could be kind of a fall from grace under first year coach Robin you're there. But Arizona State coming two and fat and happy off the Pac-12 start. I think it could be a good spot to catch him snoozing. And VCU, man, I know they're back and fully healthy, but the losing by double digits and never really being competitive with Temple raised my eyebrow. We know that offense is very much herky-jerky, and I think Jacksonville's a team, despite the injury concerns you guys mentioned, um, could catch them, catch them napping there as well on the road. Uh, Jim, quick recap of the ones you're officially endorsing. I like the two that you highlighted. Kai, you also found some two off the beaten path. I did. Yeah, so I picked out oh, – I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end up joining one of Kai's, absolutely. But picked out Alabama State at North Alabama on Wednesday. I think Alabama State's actually kind of competent, but they played – an absolute whirlwind of a travel schedule to start the year. Really, really brutal. Uh, didn't have a ton of great efforts, but then they played somebody their level, Eastern Illinois, and they won. And now they're playing somebody their level in state. North Alabama isn't some complete domination, big brother type of team. I think Alabama State can pull off an upset there, led by Coach Madlock and his son, TJ Madlock. And then also on Thursday, Colorado State is plus six per Ken Palm at Colorado. This line will probably not be six. It will probably be three because Colorado State has Isaiah Stevens back and he is a just complete game changer for them. One of the best point guards in the country. Uh, and, and Colorado, man, that team is up and down. The Buffaloes, really hard to figure out. But I don't give much home court there because uh, Boulder and Fort Collins aren't that far and you don't have the advantage of altitude because Colorado State is familiar with it. So those are the two I picked out, Kai. Your top one I'm going to be joining on joining you with, and it is Sienna plus six at Georgetown. Yep. It's what Why felt too I... obvious. No, it felt too obvious. I actually well, disqualified it. I thought it was too obvious. It's like uh it it's like the two plus does the money count, count the same? It does count the same. Books what, still I, graded. I, I thought Sienna was too obvious against Florida State, and guess what? They won outright. And Georgetown has proven that it can lose to literally anybody. I expect Georgetown to be up around 15-20 in this game and slowly give every single point back to the Siena Saints uh, for the Saints to get a chance to win and cover. The second one here is going to be Utah Valley, plus eight at BYU. Not a lot of travel here as well. And gosh, BYU has been just kind of eh, this season. They just lost South Dakota outright. Not a good look. Um, they haven't been convincing in their wins necessarily. I think Utah Valley, a very well-coached team, can pull the upset here. So give me the Utah Valley Wolverines against BYU. UVU yeah, did knock them off last year. I mentioned that at UVU yeah. where BYU blew it, blew it late and went to overtime. Utah Valley was able to pull it out. Maybe there's some revenge factor there, but I will probably be on Utah Valley, at least on the spread. I don't know about the money line, but Matt, yeah, BYU just doesn't convince me. They're not, they're not very exciting yet. 
Right. Revenge is only as good as your ability to act upon it. And I, right now, I don't think BYU has that has that in them. So um, I'm kind of with Kai. I almost think like the fact that they beat them last year is almost confidence that can carry over to this year uh, with a decent, some good core uh, nucleus from last season still intact for, I buy that. for Mark yep. Madsen. Um, and as I mentioned, Jacksonville SMU are my two Moneyline specials. And that's it for Moneyline Dogs. It's time for Blowout City, section number two. Uh, another dismal recap section here. Um, yeah, we, we hit for week. the golden sombrero last week, I think. Really tough. Hopefully, if you're uh, just now tuning in, that's uh, it's a good time to join us. Uh, if you just tuned in last week for the first time, well, uh, you're certainly off to a rough start with us. Yeah, Florida State, Utah Tech, and Memphis um, were sort of our uh, disappointing – well, Florida State and Memphis were the disappointing favorites. Um, I'm sorry, Florida State was disappointed Purdue as the favorite. Utah Tech competed with Utah State, and Memphis could not blow out North Alabama, a team we just discussed. Uh, but hey, looking at a few that we identified for Wednesday as potential complete blowouts, San Francisco is hosting Merrimack in a why the heck are these two teams playing non-conference game, um, and Tennessee is hosting Eastern Kentucky. Uh, Kempom has those at minus 21 and minus 29, respectively. Jim, Jordan Miner's been back for Merrimack, who was, I believe, the uh, preseason player of the year in that conference. He had monster games in both, but it didn't matter. They got blown out both times. So this Merrimack team might just be awful. Um, I can't imagine they're real geek to fly cross country to play San Francisco. They're they're more than might just be awful. They're terrible. They're really, really bad. And I think there was a chance of this coming in. They didn't have a, a point guard situation figured out. They're playing a 6'5 freshman there, Jordan Durkak, who is competent, but it's basically underscoring that they don't have a true point guard. Their offense is so bad. They can't get into any action. They can't execute. They can't shoot once they do get open shots, which is rare. They are one of the worst rebounding teams in the country, both sides of the ball, even with minor back in there. It's it's nightmarish. And yeah, like you said, you go from getting whooped by Vermont on Sunday to flying like 3,000 miles across the country to San Francisco. I don't see why they care about this game at all. Kai, I think I think they should. San Francisco should smash, and San Francisco's coming off a disappointing loss too. So a little anger coming out. Yeah, definitely. And I think USF has no issues running the score up here. We, it's an analytical coach who knows the value of the net system. Probably wants to win by a lot of points here. Merrimack one and eight against the spread, minus nine point six cover margin. So yes, they have had their best player out of the lineup for a couple of games, but still awful. I'm endorsing this, Matt. Go Dons. I actually like the Tennessee game better than the Dons, just because the Dons have not been as dominant as a large favorite today. If they're a team that hasn't quite had that offensive juice, but yeah, like maybe it gets Merrimack and just doesn't quite matter. Um, yeah, we saw Eastern Kentucky. We've seen them because of the way they play, uh, be susceptible to being run out of the gym. Tennessee has big, strong, older guards that will should not be faced by uh, the pressure that's unless, I guess, of course, Zakai Ziegler has a you know a sort of off the beaten path type of game here. Well, we don't uh, know if Vescovy is playing. And Vescovy is the question mark as well. I still looked at that. I still think they're deep enough in the on the wing and uh, in the backcourt to handle the pressure. Um, and I just don't think Eastern Kentucky has any success scoring at all. So this actually could be like a game where people think will be a really high scoring game and actually you know trails more toward the under. But it should be one where Tennessee wins easily, twenty plus. And I think they actually extend it to 30. Yeah, spreads 29. So I hope they extend it to 30 there. I hope they go more than 30. 40 would be great. I'd take 50. Okay. I'll be laying I buy, the points I buy here. this one, Matt. EKU is really, really talented. So I'm probably hesitant betting him a 30-point dog. But 
or, or, or fading them as a 30 point dog, but Tennessee should roll. So I'm, I'm agreeing with you directionally. Thank you. Tennessee did get JJJ back, Josiah Jordan James, who is kind of like the ultimate Swiss Army knife connector piece, does everything for them. And man, Jemai Meshack has been a kind of a revelation, not uber efficient, but he's kind of a Josiah Jordan James 2, 2.0 or, or junior. And then he can guard a bunch of positions. He's a built fullback kind of athlete, gets to the rim like crazy. Uh, so that's that's pretty impressive with him. Matt, you mentioned you don't think EKU can score. Well, the Ken Palm projection agrees with you. It has them at 0.76 points per possession against Tennessee. So huh. that that gives you an example of how dire it could be for EKU trying to figure it out offensively. Yeah, Tennessee's just back. Um, we're going to look back at that Colorado loss and laugh at in like two or three months. Um, they just beat Alcorn State by 50. Alcorn State's played everyone close. They're like the other Tarleton of the well, mid-majors. So. Alcorn had like three or four guys. That's fine still. They won by 50. <laughs> They went by 30. Easy. Take both. That's my recommendation. Before we get to our next section, a quick message from our dear buddy, Mr. Stuckey. As a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager. 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado. D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Thank you, Stuck. All right, let's keep cruising along here. And thanks again to our fine sponsor, BetMGM, who I so egregiously forgot to mention at the onset of this show. It's time for the big bad power game of the week, marquee matchups, and we got a few of them. Oh, feel the power. Oh, I can feel it. Uh, a couple of rivalries, and um, and the one that's going to kick us off here, Kai, UConn headed down to the Swamp. The Florida Gators, who have fallen on some hard times, but they're coming off. Not many people may have seen two very impressive dominant wins over, albeit subpar competition. Do we think our beloved Gators, who we have shown uh, a very rabid bias for, do we think they figured it out? Do you think this is a vintage home dog spot here uh, against the red hot, and I mean red hot Huskies? 
Yeah, they might have figured something out, but I'm not fading UConn. You can't make me. Um, five points does seem like a lot on the road uh, for a Florida team that I do still think has some some ability to be good this season and make the tournament. But UConn's the best team in the country that I've seen live. I think they're right behind Houston, basically, for best team in the country, period. Not a team I'm fading. Florida does have some size up front with Castleton and Totobo, but that goes both ways. Uh, UConn's got way, way, way more size can kind of uh, take them out of the ball game. Florida can't really shoot. I know their their numbers are high, but I don't really trust that team going forward shooting. It's not a good matchup for me, Jim. Yeah, the shooting is basically two players for Florida, yeah. and they, they don't have a lot of shooting. That's the problem. Like, the percentage looks good. It's like, oh, but they're 289th and three-point, 298, excuse me, in three-point attempt rate. We know that is completely out of the ordinary for a Todd Golden team. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was top 50 all three years at San Francisco. That tells you how shooting-starved this team is. They just don't have the pieces to do it. And if you have to force the ball inside against UConn, you're in trouble. Like, Donovan Klingon is a total monster. He's like Zach Eady Jr. in the paint. He's a little more mobile, more uh, more com- uh, more um, competent, I guess, blocking shots. And then... Sonogo is obviously a beast, hard to move. I, I have I have fear for Florida here, Matt. I, I was really excited about them preseason, but the defense has not been anywhere near as good as I expected. I, I thought they had pieces to be fantastic on that end, and they're just not. And UConn, like I said, is a juggernaut. So I won't be betting UConn. I'll probably sit this game out, but I'm definitely not backing the home dogs, despite how strong they've been this year in the non-con. Yeah, this is a spot that I would be rushing to bet all my money on Florida in years past. This year, I'm probably going to still bet Florida if I'm being brutally honest, but it won't be what I'm too excited about, nor will it be a big bet for me. I think you just have to respect how good UConn's been and um, maybe not forget the flaws that that Florida show, uh, showed at the MTE. I mentioned it, yeah. I just want to give the numbers for the people since we are a gambling show here. Home dogs so far this year, 188, 151, and 6. 55.6%. Folks, that is near professional numbers by just blindly hitting yes every home dogs. Dog. Yep. So I, I don't expect it to stay that way. But uh, right now, that is the trend. That is the trend. I think that may hold for some of these, but they're all case by case basis. Uh, we actually have another home dog coming up here as well. But uh, first, Michigan State, Penn State, Kai, Big Ten showdown. Mm-hmm. The Nittany Lions presumably will be favored in this game. Uh, per Kempom, four points is the number he has it at. Michigan State. Very simply, a shell of itself right now without uh, Malik Hall, one of their top three players, arguably, and then Jay Nakins, uh, a big breakout sophomore candidate, has not been 100%. Izzo says he won't be 100% for like another couple of weeks. They've not looked as good, dropped an early game to Northwestern. You could argue it's a good spot because they're going to be desperate on the road, wanting to avoid an 0-2 start. Mm-hmm. They may just not be a great team right now. What do you think? Maybe not, but if it's four points, I'm taking Michigan State. Uh, I've, I've faded Penn State a few times this year. I faded them successfully. Um, I don't really buy that this is a top five team in the Big Ten. They're shooting the ball really well this year, and I don't think it's sustainable. They score the most points in the country, highest percentage of points in the country from the three-point line. I mean, heck, if you take that away, which I trust Tom Izzo to have some sort of competent game plan here, they become pretty ordinary. And, and I think giving this many points on the road for Michigan State, even though it's the Big Ten, I respect the heck out of Big Ten home court. I'm leaning towards Sparty here. I'm sitting on my hands. I think Malik Hall matters a lot to he Michigan does. State, uh, and it, it's shown a little bit. Akins isn't quite himself. I know Izzo said after the game, like, I thought he looked really good in his return. Uh, he's just still getting back into game shape. So I, 
Man, I, I I agree. Kai Penn State is not top five in the Big Ten. That that, that is certainly not uh, the lofty standing I would have them in. But I do think they are really solid. They're fantastically coached, and Michigan State is getting through this ridiculous gauntlet that they put together to start the year and doing so shorthanded. They only have ten scholarship guys in the entire roster. One of them was meant to be redshirted, Cooper, and it it's not it's not coming together. They just lost at home to Northwestern. Yeah. Maybe that gives them a little more desperation factor. Don't want to start 0-2 in the league here, but uh, I got to sit this one out, Mr. Cox. Yeah, I'll probably sit it out too. My first instinct was with Kai on the Michigan State plus four at Penn State, but then I thought more about it. It's like, I kind of like this Penn State team. Um, And Penn State, while they don't exactly draw a um, a, a Happy Valley football type crowd there, they have had a pretty strong home court historically, as have pretty much all Big Ten venues. So trying to respect that. Matt, what would it take to get you to bet? Penn State. I'm thinking about that now. Three. If Kai, Kai said four. I need three or less. Would, it's I, four at Ken Palm. I think three. Bet, you would bet, bet this. Penn State. It's four at Ken Palm. If Penn State opens two, I'll bet it. Three is like a fringe bet, I guess. Oh, so you're looking to bet Penn State. I am. This wow. looks I, bad. I was going in the if if I get five and a half. If you give me five and a half, I'll take. Michigan go the State. other way. Yep. All right. So here you hammer it, Jim, and then I'll get it on the counter punch. Or I can go first and go second. Whatever you want. Perfect. We can talk. Perfect. 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 Awesome. All right. Glad we discussed that. Um, Thursday, let's quickly hit on Iowa State, Iowa, Cyhawk. Obviously a huge rivalry game. We love covering this every year. Um, man, to think Iowa might be a six-point favorite against Iowa State is pretty wild. I don't think it'll be that high, but Kempom um has Iowa State relatively undervalued in some people's opinion. I think I tend to agree this year. Um, Kai, where do you think this line truly opens and are you looking to, to get involved? Uh, it'll get bet down for sure. I will right. be on Iowa state if it's six, six. For sure. yep. I just want to say this, this game has been a blowout for like eight straight years. <laughs> I know it's always the fun. team that wins wins by 15 or 25 sure. every single year. Uh, you'd have to go back to, I guess, 18 was the last time that was within single digits. Uh, and so I, that's like, if you like Iowa state, Maybe take the money line because I doubt you're going to need yeah, the six. Money line's a good but play if you like dog. Iowa, then you know don't worry about the money line. Lay the six. Yeah, I agree. It's a good point. Now, I guess nitpicking on line value may not be worth it in this matchup. I um, it's four. I think it's probably close to a four. I'm with you on that one. Well, we'll um, see. We'll see what happens. We're recording again on Tuesday. We'll see what happens with Iowa Duke. True. If Iowa pulls off a big win, maybe this gets over inflated and and you get a better value on Iowa State and a quick turnaround there for the Hawkeyes as well. Uh, two more Big Ten games on Thursday uh, with Rutgers at Ohio State. The Minnesota game was the other home dog I was alluding to earlier, Kai. I kind of think the Gophers can keep that one close. Um, I just don't think Michigan has it figured out right now. Uh, fade Rutgers on the road. Uh, we talked about Colorado State being a live dog against Colorado, so lean Colorado State. No thank you on Minnesota. I'll probably be on Michigan or at least leaning that way. Yeah, yeah Minnesota's really bad. Like the defense is awful, and I know they've had some flu stuff, so maybe that's part of why they've been bad recently. But before they got battle back, they were awful. They've they've been a, a very poor ATS team this year. The one concern with Michigan is Jalen Newell, and pretty sure he tore his ACL. Yeah, I watched it and done. cringed and nearly cried, and it's sad and bad and gross. Um, so maybe that's good though. Maybe you get more Doug McDaniel, who's actually looked really really good so far. Yeah, and I mean, the team hasn't had a point guard all year, but you know, maybe that prompts them to go in a different direction. We shall see. All right, let's get out of the power conference spotlight down to the nitty gritty mid majors. Uh, there's two in particular we want to talk about Wednesday. One quickly we'll touch on for Thursday. Wednesday, ISU Blue, Indiana State, who we discussed in the section last show for what it's worth against Drake. 
they competed admirably and they oh yeah they won that's right they're at home they won i'm gonna say they completed admirably and they won that is an admirable performance admirable and actually came out with the victory so they are looking to move to 2-0 in conference against the siu carbondale salukis kai um this could arguably be two of the three best teams in the conference given what we've seen so far in this league in the non-con I kind of think ISU Blue wins this game outright. Um, maybe I'm disrespecting SIUC's home court in that defense under Brian Mullins, but I think ISU Blue wins. I think Southern Illinois is really, really good. I think both these teams are really good. Um, I'm probably not going to have a dog in this fight because I like both teams and I have them pretty highly rated. Um, Indiana State has some injury issues. Doesn't really matter. They're super deep and and Shirts has skirted this, this issue many times before. So I'm probably just going to watch this one and enjoy it. Um, but four sounds about right. Maybe it's three, maybe it's two. Yeah, Indiana State is just so much better running what Schertz wants to do. Uh, bringing in McCauley, a guy who played for him back in his D2 days at Lincoln Memorial has helped, and just familiarity with the system. They're not turning the ball over like crazy. Like They were one of the worst turnover teams in the country last year, and I think the Salukis could have taken advantage of that and did last year. Not as much this time around, so I will I will sit this one out as well. This is a great battle or like you said, Matt, two of the three or four best teams in the league. I think Bradley warrants mentioned there as well. Yeah, these are two teams that I think if you know probably be top five of the of the valley. Either one could win the Arch Madness in St. Louis, and I think are good enough to win a game in the in March Madness. So I would keep your eye on both these teams long term. Two more teams that I think can actually win a game in March Madness could be way off the the radar to many listening. Florida Gulf Coast at Florida Atlantic. Now, Kempom has this game, Florida Atlantic minus 10. I think that'd be an outrageously high spread, but Florida Atlantic has been pretty much ripping everyone to shreds, uh, beat Florida. They made a mockery of Eastern Michigan's defense. They hung 100. I watched that game. Eastern Michigan had no chance to stop them. Florida Gulf Coast under Patty Chambers can play. They've always had talent, but now they have a coach who can maximize that talent. I'm actually looking to bet Florida Gulf Coast here, Jim, if the line's anywhere near um that Kempom proxy opener but i gotta think it probably opens closer to eight uh over there I, Boca I, like a week and a half ago i would have thought this line was insane but i've come around on fau is like a nuclear holy cow team like wofford was never a top 20 program until they were that one year and blew everybody yeah. out and i fau is playing like that they were even shorthanded when they destroyed eastern michigan uh, we mentioned in the live dog of the week south alabama did not win they were playing this FAU team and lost by 25 and, and South Alabama nearly beat UAB. Like that is a really, really impressive effort. FAU has guards on guards on guards. So many playmakers. They have a two headed monster at center. They can rotate, throw at you. Uh, They're a little bit healthier. They got Nellie Davis back. They're still missing Elijah Martin, but again, they have so many guards. It just doesn't matter. I think this team is, like really awesome and going to contend with UAB atop the league in, in North Texas as well. So I'm staying away here, Kai. I've, I've kind of tipped my cap to FAU and would rather back them at this point. FAU has an at-large case. Yeah, they're they like legit at-large. They yeah. win in Florida. They're 7-1. and one. They're top 60 in Kempom right now. Both these teams are among the best in the country against the spread. Uh, FAU is plus 9 cover margin on 6-1 and one record. Gulf Coast 6-2 and two plus 8 cover margin. The other team you really want to fade right now. You will not catch me fading FAU the rest of the year. Uh, even if this spread is 10, I don't want to step in front of them because I agree with Jim. I think they are nuclear um, and a very, very good team. Man, yeah, if you're not, if you're not like wins. a slave to numbers like we are, and you're just like, <laughs> this team is playing awesome, FAU is absolutely a team to back. 
Yeah, Florida Gulf Coast, I mean, if they just beat San Diego in that West Coast trip after the USC one, no. I think they could be, you don't think so? No. They lost to San Diego. Yeah, I'd rather say, had if, they if won they that game them, after USC. Yeah, but they didn't, and they've played nobody since then. And they played no one since. I just think they're really good. Pat Chambers is awesome. I, I forget what, what he did at uh, Penn State before um, before the, uh, the page turned. But, all right, Thursday, real quick, we have to highlight UMass Lowell, who's been maybe the best team in the country no one knows about, like no one knows about. Like Florida Atlantic's off the radar, but then UMass Lowell is like deep, 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 deep seated. Um, only deep seated moles know about this squad. At UMass, minus two feels tiny given how good Frank Martin's squad's been, Kai. But I don't know. It's not a big home court. I think I might be on the minimum in this one. Yeah, I'd be shocked if this was two. I, I bet it's over three. And, um, you know, I'm probably not going to make it to where I bet UMass Lowell, but gosh, I, I'll consider it. Currently, their Kempom spot is 121. That's over 100 spots higher than the program's ever been since it joined D- uh, D1 in 2014. But man, I kind of believe it because the market can't catch up with them. I know they're not playing anybody that good, but gosh, they lost by eight to Rutgers at Rutgers. That's impressive. I know Rutgers was kind of shorthanded. Everyone else, though, they're torching. Uh, one of the best ATS teams in the country here. UMass is strange. <laughs> they are not a well-polished machine. Frank Martin is mad at his team despite their good start. I might be tempted to bet Lowell here. The travel's not a lot. TBD, we'll see on the line. Yeah, Kai, you you sent the quotes to our, our group chat internally about what Martin was saying about his team. This feels like a am okay with losing if I'm Frank Martin right. and, <laughs> and let my team now I have ammunition on this on these guys. They have to listen to me. You lost to UMass Lowell. You're in state, supposed to be a little brother. How dare you? Listen up, get on the line and start running. Uh, I, I could see that being the outcome for UMass here. And yeah, well, I can't keep up with them either. They're like FAU. They're outside of, well, outside of their program range, as Kai yep. said. But you look at their numbers and it's all sustainable. Like they are mm-hmm. dominant at both ends on the rim, uh, at the rim on both ends. It's not like they're getting lucky with three-point shooting numbers on either side. I believe that this is actually like a top 120 defense. And maybe it's not 90th, but they defend, they have size, they have high major transfers. And they've got a lot of athleticism on the squad. I, I'm buying into this Lowell team, and I think they're more complete and will be absolutely dialed in to go uh, into UMass and, and get a victory here. Yeah, I'll probably stay away, I guess, now I think more about it in this game. But we'll talk about UMass Lowell uh, in a second here, talk about some extra teams that's really impressed us so far. But before we get to our final section, let's quickly, and I mean very quickly, check the box on our fifth section, the trash man, grimy, gross, disgusting, pick of the week. And I say that because there's not many good options to choose from. It's probably a good thing if you want to watch high-quality, aesthetically pleasing basketball. The Trash Man Pick of the Week. I'm the Trash Man. Just throw me in the trash. You're garbage, and you know it. Totally unreliable. Is that it? Undependable. That's it. You've been told off. How do you like that? Good. Uh, The one that did jump out to me was Campbell Evansville decided to play a non-conference game. Both teams play painfully slow, and they're both missing key pieces. And poor Evansville, man, like, being down, I think their leading scorer and, and then having their third leading scorer, Blaze Beauchamp, transfer. Yeah, this is like a 55 to 52 type of affair. So I guess th- that's my underlean on my one trash band identification of the week. Yeah, it'd be a gross game. Campbell should crush him, but Campbell has. I think Campbell issues. should win, though. Yeah. Campbell has injury issues themselves. Yeah, there's a few out there. But we don't have to go down the rabbit hole of trash and pick of the week. I, I would be on the, uh, the under there as well, Matt, with the injury issues that both sides have. In our final section, spotlight on extra, extra, read all about it. I want to highlight some extra teams that have been 
awesome to date. And let's bring him up and then quickly give an opinion on, do we think it's sustainable? Are we looking to bet on this team? Are we looking to fade this team? Talked about Florida Gulf Coast and UMass Lowell above. A few leagues, teams from their leagues. Kai, the A-Sun, I believe you are a correspondent for that conference. How good that conference is this season. Liberty, Lipscomb's been very impressive. Jacksonville, we talked about them briefly above. Those are the main competitors there. Any of those really jump out to you as like a team you're looking to back or or maybe the other way, maybe a team that's kind of gotten uh, unlucky, fortunate, you're looking to fade? I mean, I've said it all preseason. This is the best day the A-Sun's ever been. Uh, you can see that in their non-com performance so far. I think most of the league is profitable this season from an ATS perspective. One of the teams that's not is Jacksonville State, which is a bit surprising. Also, Liberty, despite having a good ATS record, they actually have a negative cover margin. But I'm looking to back basically every team uh, in non-conference here. Uh, I think Liberty is still a good bet. I think Gulf Coast is a great bet. Matt against a team not named FAU. I think Queens is still a great bet. Even Lipscomb, Kennesaw. Pardon, excuse Kennesaw, me for not putting Kennesaw, Kennesaw five in this and two. Yep. Yeah. Bellerman, I mean, a lot of these teams are tough, tough dogs because the talent is a lot better than people think, and no one pays attention to the A-Sun. So I would say for the little remainder of non-con here, look a little bit closer to the A-Sun. I'm, I'm in lockstep, Kai. I don't have a ton to add because I've been backing a couple of these teams. Yeah. Uh, the, my, the thing I've run into trouble with is trying to get uh, Liberty Unders, and they did have the disgusting game down in Mexico that was like the easiest under of all time, but... They also have really struggled to, I guess not struggled. Their offense has been so good at home against poor competition that nothing stays under. They they put up 80 points on 60 possessions and you just kind of have to donate your money to the book and, and walk away. So that's something I'm staying away from, Matthew. But like Kai said, if if I'm on the fence about backing an ace on side, I'm probably going with yes, because these teams are legit. Yeah, the ASON non-con is similar to what we saw last season with the SWAC and um, MIAC non-con. Just a, a whole league uprising, talent acquisition, good coaches, confluence of factors. And I, I think there's some runway to back these teams for the the remainder of the month of December. And then, of course, when they get into conference play, well, it sort of all negates itself. How about Vermont and Bryant, the two perennial powers? Well, I get Bryant, the new addition to the America East, both of whom will be competing with UMass Lowell and both of whom are currently dogs to outpace Lowell in the conference, just based purely on Ken Palm's overall ranking. Um, Brian's still better than UMass Lowell. I, 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 I firmly believe that. I wanted to say Vermont was firmly better than UMass Lowell, Kai, but I don't know. Vermont's played like one good game in their last six, so it's hard for me to trust that with any sort of conference. They've played one good game in the last six, but their competition is pretty really stiff. Good. Yeah, uh, yeah. Vermont's playing a really hard schedule. They almost won at USC. They lost overtime to Fullerton. They have a good team still, I think. And I think in conference play, they'll show their true form. But it is a three-horse race now. And before, I probably would have said just Vermont and, and Bryant. With the UMass Lowell, the way they've been playing, I, I think it's definitely a, a three-horse race now. Yeah, just for the competition, I think, is a really good point. Uh, they have one opponent in common, and that's Merrimack. Vermont won by 23 at Merrimack. Lowell won by 26 at home. And then outside of that, Lowell has played a bunch of teams outside of the top 250, and Vermont has played zero teams outside of the top 250. Yeah. Merrimack is the only bad team they've played all season. That's at least Division One. Uh, so maybe the battle testing will will have some element to it that helps when you get into league play. But I buy that Lowell is better than them right now. I have not been impressed with with Vermont in some of the more mid level competition games they've had, like Long Beach and Yale. They got thrown into the trash by those teams, and that that concerns me for a Vermont team that doesn't really have a front court right now. Two more. Let's get to, uh, 
I'm going to Jim. I want you want your thought on Colgate. Kai, I want your thought on Northwestern State. So Colgate was the clear favorite coming into the season, and they've been okay so far. Uh, they're only right, four and five okay. against the That's spread. That's what I am too. Right. They're not like a dominant holy cow force, but the rest of the Patriot League is not very good. Uh, Navy has kind of emerged a little bit as the second team, but they're the only other Patriot squad inside of Ken Palm's top 200. Colgate should be the comfortable favorite to win the league. Now, the rest of the non-con, I'm not going to be back in Colgate. They lack athleticism. That's why they got smashed by Auburn. Uh, They had trouble with Buffalo on opening night. They lost to Duquesne. And they're still figuring out the point guard situation. Braden Smith, the freshman, has played there a lot. He's looked really good for a freshman, like tip of the cap to him. And I think he'll be fine for Patriot play. But it's still a little bit of a problem when they play up in competition. The the lack of a dynamic creator, the way that Nellie Cummings was before, and um, Jordan Burns before him. They, 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 they lack that guy to, to spark the offense. This is the one team, Kai, you mentioned Furman as a team that you think is overvalued. Colgate's another team in that same vein where it's like, yeah, I like them a lot. I just think they're being priced like a high-end Big Ten team. And I'm just not, I can't, can't quite get there. Yeah, I wrote uh, the Patriot for the Almanac and was like, this is the clear favorite. And I bet against them like five times in the non-con because it's just, mm-hmm. they little, were a little inflated for my taste. Hi, Northwestern State is, I like to call them Missouri State South. Yeah. They've the won that. seven in a row, six in a row, including a win at TCU. Uh, they won at SFA and they just beat Southern Miss, who looked invincible until, uh, well, until NW State beat them. Yeah, seven one against the spread, one of the best cover margins in the country. Yeah, they're they're Missouri State light because their new coach Corey Gibson was a Missouri State assistant, and he took guys from that team with him somehow. Uh, to uh, I'm going to say it wrong. I I just had the pronunciation in my head. Natchitoches, not no, no it's not even close. It's like, very French. That. Yeah, uh, Natchita, something like that. That's Whatever. close. The place where Northwestern State is uh, down there in Louisiana, but. DeMarcus Sharp, Jamonte Black. It's a lot more talented team that we're used to seeing here at Northwestern State. I think it's sustainable. I'm not sure they've hit their ceiling quite yet. I'm intrigued to see them against Southland competition, probably be inclined to back them. And we'll see these next couple of games in the non-con against Louisiana Monroe and Rice, among others. Um, I think they're pretty darn feisty. Yeah, they beat Southern Miss without Dane Prim, Gage Prim's brother, the the yeah. old star of Missouri, Missouri State, State. Yep. who's yep. who's similar to Gage Prim, only he's like fifty pounds lighter, so he's not quite the same space eater. But yeah, I mean the the three headed monster of Missouri State transfers, the freshmen that they brought in are really really good. Hampton and Greedy Williams, great name, Greedy Williams. Yeah, Greedy. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it is fully sustainable for them going forward too. that that's I think that team's still a buy despite how much they've already risen in analytical rankings Matthew, yeah and a, Nakatush 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 everyone get off the podcast say it five times fast so we can engrave that in our memories great breakdown gentlemen um let's recap our best bets quickly from this segment or I guess from all six segments I'll hit mine first uh, I am going to take Jacksonville and SMU on the money line dog as we talked about and I will probably be taking FGCU against Florida Atlantic, despite my Florida Atlantic fears. Um, Kai, what do you got? Uh, Sienna and Utah Valley for my live dogs of the week. I do like the San Francisco Dons in blowout city section. Yeah. Leaning towards Michigan too. State and Iowa State in the uh, in the games of the week. TBD on the spreads there. Uh, and then the mid-major games of the week. I'm going to back UMass Lowell. Uh, I'm going with the Riverhawks. I'm tired of fading this team and not being on them. It's time I get some money. 
Yeah, okay. I think it's the right time for them too, with the way UMass is, is trending. Um, I, I guess they've been solid, but I'm I'm on Colorado State, Alabama State, and Siena outright, and I'll be taking the spreads there. Uh, strongly considering Iowa State in the Cyhawk. I want to see what happens with Iowa Duke, though. So unfortunately, we don't have that yeah. result in our holster as we record this. Um, but I'm all in for sure on UMass Lowell. I think it's just a perfect spot against a little brother with with or against Big Brother, and Big Brother has a, a coach that might want to teach his team a bit of a lesson and is okay with them not uh, coming all the way through there. I think that's it for me, Matthew. That's it from all of us. That concludes another weekly episode of the Big Bets on Campus every Wednesday morning. Uh, Come back next week, same time. Join us. Until then, good luck. Take care.